Welcome to machine learning. Well, yesterday we talked a little bit about uh, time. And again, uh, so daylight savings, you spring forward, move forward uh, an hour. And, uh, and uh, in fall, you spring back. And it all depends. Basically, you can do the daylight savings from uh, uh, time delta where you move uh, you move the clock forward an hour and you move the clock back an hour so the the uh, interesting thing is that uh, not every um, every area has the same rules for the daylight savings and so you have to use the time zones to determine uh, when the uh, your dates for your daylight savings and that's but uh, so that's all great for the display of the day so and time um, so for example at uh, at uh, 2017, uh, I forget the month, but uh, at uh, 1259, you you could have one one uh, a.m. and then one minute later you're at 1 a.m. again and uh, so there's a possibility of 1 a.m. occurring at a specific date more than once and um, and so there's ambiguity so how do you calculate the duration at that point so you uh, you spring forward an hour, you spring back in the fall, but you still want that duration difference. And if you're if you're calculating the amount of time, uh, you would want to be able to correctly calculate the time based on on the uh, whether they, you're passing through a daylight savings transition and there's ambiguity in the dates. So the way you do that is you convert the start time to UTC time and you convert the end time to UTC time and then you calculate the duration. And you'll always have the correct, uh, correct duration for that calculation. Because if you were to calculate it in the uh, local time for that time zone, you would have a total minutes elapse of zero. And that'd be for the spring forward and the spring back. So, uh, and it would seem that the dates are duplicate. That you, ha I mean, the date times are duplicate in that you have, in that you have two uh, times that are the same. 
but in the markings for the daylight savings, it would adjust, it would have just the, um, the offset for that amount. So you could use Eastern Standard Time, Eastern Daylight Time, uh, EST and EDT, and you could get the same effect by just adjusting to a different time zone. That'd be a very complicated way of doing it. So the probably the best way to do it is again convert the date back to UTC time, which would would uh, adjust to the time offsets for the daylight savings uh, for that time, and so the it, it would it then would compensate for that, and uh, you would get the correct time duration. It's always it's always challenging daylight savings um, because if otherwise you would have to check to see if you were in the if daylight savings was on, then you would take the local time and spring forward, and then when daylight savings was off at that moment that uh, daylight savings occurred and turned off, then you would spring back. And that seems like a more complicated way of, of trying to calculate duration. Even though in your system, it would show that the time, the uh, new clock time would be in the uh, time that's fallen back. So, um, if you were then to just calculate based on w without daylight savings, you would not adjust for that additional hour. So let's say if you were working an eight hour shift and you uh, did the daylight fall back, then you would have a duration of seven hours if you calculated it in the local time. But if you convert it to the UTC time, you would have eight hours because it would account for the fallback time and it would adjust um, the UTC time appropriately. So the duration would be eight, eight hours. I can see why the there was so much emphasis on uh, dates and times in Python because date and time is complicated. And um, I think that most of the Microsoft APIs do handle the UTC time appropriately depending on your time zone or your time zone offset. And um, that was always the question I had when I was working with time is once I hit that daylight savings is how do I account for that loss of hour or gain of an hour? And, uh, and now thinking about switching everything back to UTC time and then calculating duration, that, that makes perfect sense. So take your local time in the time zone, switch it back to UTC time, subtract the two UTC times, and you'll get your duration. 
And it's interesting because the time zone is a database and there's different time zones all over the United States. There are different areas where daylight savings applies and where it doesn't apply. And so uh, you, you do a check for ambiguity and then if it is uh, ambigu uh, ambiguity turns back true for the date, then you in infold the date and uh, then when you want to find the differences in the date, you UTC, you pass in uh, the as time zone as TZ, which is time zone dot UTC. And that then will convert the date to a UTC date for calculating your duration. Um, and if you're not sure where the data is coming from, where the time zone data is coming from, uh, it may, it depends on if the database is stored in the database, but you may be able to detect the time zone in the date. Uh, because as you do an inspection on the replace, when you replace the, uh, with the, the different time zone, it puts that offset into the date. And so from that, you can determine probably which time zone you were, the date occurred. Um, so today we won't have any pod, new podcasting. Uh, I am lining up a podcast with a professor who is going to talk about the machine learning automation pipeline and why you want to set up pipelines and so I think that's going to be an interesting uh, podcast he also does another podcast called integrating brilliance but I don't know what that is I have to listen to that podcast to find out if that's something um, that would be interesting on this podcast. But I, I think you'll find it uh, interesting on uh, the pipeline because that should be your goal as a data scientist is to be able to build pipelines, uh, reuse your code, and uh, leverage, leverage some of these algorithms that uh, you may not use frequently put them in a usable code base and then integrate them into a pipeline and then when you're having to maintain that pipeline and fix it uh, you should be able to uh, go back to these code bases and uh, and work and modify those code bases to your needs and the, the question I, I guess you would probably want to know is you know how should you deal with uh, the code base should it be decorators and functions or should it be classes and I, I think the decorator pattern could give you lots of polymorphism uh, in the sense that you could adjust parameters and and you know you could add, add additional functionality around that function um, and decorators are definitely very powerful 
the classes will envelop them into a class structure and you may find that uh, that wrapping functionality in a class and then managing that functionality from the class makes more sense. But pipelines do things like uh, it'll do scaling um, and then it will uh, also do the training and then the predicting. And so it'll be interesting to find out depending on what type of classification you're going to do and, and what kind of pre-processing has to occur um, to make the classifier work properly, then uh, it should be an interesting discussion of what types of things that you need to have in your pipeline. I found that when I tried to do some of the pipelines, uh, I don't know if it was my version of Python, but I had some difficulty getting my pipelines to work um, properly. And uh, I don't know if it, it uh, that the uh, <coughs> the components were, I just needed to upgrade some of my Python to get it to work properly. So anyway, this is, uh, that's something I'm, I'm kind of be kind of curious to hear about. And I want to try to look over my notes uh, on pipelines and uh, and maybe even uh, review them and memorize them again uh, so that when we have that podcast I'm, I'm better equipped to, to talk to him <clears throat> so this will this will be a, uh, a positive plus I mean we should be a more technical discussion about automating your pipeline and, and you, you have to be careful about thinking that you can go into any organization and build production ML right off the bat. It's just not going to happen. There is so much uh, preparation that has to be done in even your data transformation, data cleaning, uh, aggregation, identification of what uh, could be put into an ML pipeline that you're, it, it will take some time and experience to, to identify the areas that might offer some value. And um, so this is this will be interesting. And um, you know, whether it's for marketing or HR or uh, for other departments that you're going to build these ML pipelines, uh, I think that that this podcast that podcast will be uh, very helpful. Okay, until next time, happy coding. Enjoy Python programming.